here we are in the Good Companions pub garden in Brighton. My guest this week is Sussex Radio DJ, music journalist and venue host Jeff Hemmings. Hi Jeff. Hi Peter. How's it going? Really good. It's nice to be in a in a pub, in a public house. Yeah. I've only been to uh, one or two since lockdown. Yeah, Having a beer Saturday afternoon. It's a bit complicated extracting a beer out of them, but once you do it, it still tastes great. Yeah, it still tastes like beer, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's nice to be here, nice to be outside. So, Groucho Marx once described cricket as a wonderful cure for insomnia. And Robin Williams, probably copying him, said it was baseball on Valium. Yes, it can be lulling, but obviously those who love it can find cricket amazingly exciting too. Brett Lee said the sound of Tendulkar's stumps going over was the best sound he'd ever heard. The worst, the umpire's call of no ball. So, Jeff, why do we love the sound of leather on Willow? Well, that's a bit of a leading question, isn't it? But well, I just wanted to dip into Groucho Marx, first of all. I mean, there's a love-hate thing with cricket, isn't there? So some people get it. It's like Marmite. Some people get it, some people don't. And um, on the surface, it looks like a stupid game. People standing around in a field, some guy bowling weird action and somebody trying to hit it. And nothing going game. on for long periods of time, especially over five days. It's an endlessly <laughs> stupid game. Of course it is. We'll get but, to that in another but week. for those who get it, they really do get it. So um, Groucho Myers doesn't know what he's talking about. Stick to comedy, Groucho. Um, what was So the sound of uh, leather on the willow. Well, what can you say? It's, um, it's, the, it's the punctuating sounds of cricket, isn't it? It's when... Not much happens, and then suddenly... The sound of something happening. The sound of something happening, and uh, it's... Because uh, it, it's wood. It's, it's a natural substance, isn't it? The bats are made of wood, and they're often of, you know, local wood, or, na- or indigenous to where we live. Some fine wood, some not so fine yeah, wood. Yeah, I don't uh, know where all cricket bats come yeah. from, but it's, uh, it's just... Um, it's a natural sound, and it's the sound of something happening. An ex-teammate of mine went out... For- went out and he said that he got a six pound bat for Christmas and he was quite a decent bat as well and we were like are you joking and so he went out and it went made this horrible ping sound yeah. like not ping proper ping but a horrible sound and yeah. he was out like first <laughs> shot well there you go you're only as good as your tools is that the right expression I don't know yeah. but, um... I, I put it out on Twitter last night and uh, Worthing Club Secretary Simon Rusbridge says his grey nickel mythos Sounds great on the odd occasion that he middles it. Uh, yeah, it's that that gunshot sound. Yeah, uh, I've I've heard it. Your 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 bat has a bit of a ping to it when you connect. Yeah, when you know I, the last game I played, I, I, as well as swinging and missing a lot, I hit one just perfect, and I knew it was gone miles as soon as I hit it, and it was just in the sweet spot, and it just yeah. sounds. It doesn't ping. It, it sounds like uh, I don't know. It just sounds perfect. It's kind of like uh, not harsh. Mm. It's got that kind of softness to it because you're just hitting the meat of the bat. Perfect. If you hit the sides of the bat or the bottom of the bat or the top, it just sounds different, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. There's, I, I did extensive research. Believe it or not, dear listeners, um, on the on the sonics of cricket, and there isn't much out there. I looked. The science is not there. Who, surely somebody can knock it's a bloody research. Esoteric, man. Esoteric. Esoteric. That's what Esoteric. we are. That's what we are. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's very important. It's one of those untalked about things. You know, it's just it's in our subconscious. 
Yeah. We just know that it sounds right and it's just part of the game. We know that it is right. And yeah. I know that it's right when when I whack one with Brutus. Yeah, your uh, illegal bat. My illegal, it is illegal, but come on. I, I didn't buy it on some street corner. I bought it's a Newbury Uzi, it's five years old. It's got five centimetre girth. <laughs> and um, yeah, I couldn't use it in a first class match, but then again, who's asking me? No, nobody's asking, but uh, with the whole world knows now, uh, watch out for Brutus. It is a beast of a bat. <laughs> in what way is it illegal, Pete? What, what, why is in it, what way is it illegal? The, the edge is five centimetres thick. Right, and it should be... Less than five. Less than five, OK. So if we gave him a shave, he'd be all right, but nobody's touching him over my dead body. Yeah. And when he dies, he's going to get a full... You, you take it to bed with you, don't you? It's, it's my pet. Yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of um, the feel of... the fear, Not so much the feel, but the sound of battle ball. Does a particular ball help? Is hitting... Uh, does hitting a new ball... Um, I can't pretend I'm an expert on that sort of thing, but a new ball is obviously a new ball, isn't it? And it's just got a different sound from, say, a ball that's 80 overs old or 79, whatever it is, before you can get a new ball. It's much softer. So a hard new ball is a hard, more, um, just, a, just a different sound. It's I more can't. resonant. Yeah, resonant. That's, that's the word. Yes, I've already had yes. a couple of sips of beer and I'm already losing the power of speech. <laughs> The, um, yeah, I was uh, league secretary for my previous team and um, there was a whole thing about uh, Grey Nichols uh, sponsored the balls and then you know, a load of people kicked off that the balls weren't very good and I think they replaced those and, uh, and sound quick we used salamander balls yeah. they've been stamped twice but they're pretty damn good I don't know where they came from no but idea they, uh, Never even heard of salamander balls. Well, yeah, no, neither have I. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've held a few <laughs> and I've hit a few. No, but it's a, it's a thing of beauty, a new ball, and um, it's always a thing that uh, batsmen fear, isn't it, with the new ball. And that's why opening batsmen are so specialised, because they can deal with that kind of fer ferocity and the shiny, you know, the nastiness of the new ball. We're going a little bit off topic, but yeah. the glint of the ball, yeah. it just, when it moves towards me, and I'm batting, and it just fires me up, and next thing you know, you're out. either a good thing has happened, or a very <laughs> bad thing has happened. But yeah, but that's the that's one of the yeah the visuals. So there are also like when you're uh, listening to PMS or whatever, there's the distinctive sound of the bowlers run up and the, mm. the sound on release. There's that, that it sounds a bit like or well, yeah, that's a poor impression obviously. Yeah. But there's that little shuffle. There is. Well, it, when you're on the pitch, you can obviously hear it, but uh, even on modern technology, it's a bit more, you know, you can hear more of the sound. Some people run in and they're really heavy, heavy-footed, so they're like, you can really hear that. But some people are like Michael Holding, for instance. Whispering, whispering death. death or whatever, whispering death. Where uh, you just don't know he's actually bowling. And before <laughs> you know it, it's 100 miles an hour coming just by your chin. Everybody's, that's, you know, everybody's got their own distinctive sounds, haven't they? They have, they have. As well as their actions. Very distinctive. It will be suited to their ergonomic patterns. Yeah. Well, we are getting a bit on the So, uh, grunting. Grunting. Some bowlers do it. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't stand grunting in tennis. <laughs> but I think it's like, who invented that? But cricket, uh, it seems, you know, when you're releasing a ball, particularly fast bowlers, it's a natural. 
part of the energy build-up, isn't it? Not a grunt to myself. I know. I know. Well, you're a, you're a tweaker, aren't you? You know, you bowl those little very slow balls, and um, yeah. you don't need to uh, expend a lot of energy in that department, do you? No, no. So there's there's other sounds. The the uh, infield chatter, maybe a bit of light light sledging. Yeah, light sledging, or if you're in Australian, heavy sledging. I mean, when you play amateur cricket, you hear it all the time in the field, or if you're on the boundary watching it. Mm-hmm. But normally, in test match cricket, you don't hear it. Because no, it's no. crowd. Now, because yeah. of lockdown, it's been interesting to hear test match special, and you can hear, you can't really hear what they're saying exactly. And I think there must be some devices in place or some training that's been going on to say, don't say the C word or the F word or whatever it is Uh, but you know there's a lot of chatter and some teams uh, Pakistanis for instance who are here at the moment they've they've got a good line in chatter haven't they they they, they really talk endlessly in the field yeah I think um, I'm not going to go into national traits but maybe I'm not not saying that's (laughs) weird or anything it's just uh, it's just part of the game it's wonderful and it's just Gives the impression that there's some life and liveliness out there. In, in terms of appeals, uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was. I'm sure it was a league match, and um, and they were just this ticker team were appealing endlessly, mm. just hitting the pat. And I just said like, you lot, yeah. You know, and I wasn't trying. Yeah, you know, I was trying to be fair, neutral, etc., etc. I said you lot have got more more appeals than death row. Shut up. Well, like, appeal uh, properly. Is it M- Malinga? Is, oh yeah, Sri Lankan bowler. Uh, yeah. He's got a wonderful appeal, hasn't he? It's a real full throttle kind of. <laughs> no, it's just amazing to hear that <laughs> with his huge, with his big head throat. of hair. Yeah, um, it's a it's a wonderful sight. And yeah, how's that? It's a big part of cricket, you know. It's the sort of semi silence punctuated with a massive yeah. loud how's that. Mm-hmm. What other sounds do you associate with the game, and why? If if so, what what, what do we find calming or, or satisfying about them? As the, the chatter amongst the audiences, audiences, just the general hum, hubbub, would yeah, be my, is my a beautiful word, yeah. thing to hear because. It's, an, it's cricket, although T20 is fast and furious. You know, test match cricket or one day cricket is paced. There's a lot of pace to the game. In other words, you know, the slow patches, not much happens. But you've always got that hubbub in the background. I love that. In 2009, I went with my mate to Lords to watch uh, England Australia Flintoff. Flintoff's last game at Lords could, could have been. I, don't know. Uh, I was very drunk. Rude. And I was probably going. It's very out of character, Peter. I must say. I was me a bit like the character out of the Fast Show. Were you in the Barmy Army? And I. And I later woke up um, in a graveyard. Anyway, that's a story from another day. Mm. But I'm sure I was going. You know, I was probably adding to the hubbub. My poor mate on that day. But I'm sure you know we're still mates today, so I'm sure it was fine. Yeah, it's just because cricket's a conversation. It's a social game. So it's not about watching the action all the time. You're going to chat with your mates. You're just going out for a day out, and then you sort of watch the action, and then you turn back to your mate, and then you, you know. So it's more of a social activity. That's. Are you familiar with the term ASMR? ASMR. Nope. So ASMR is autonomous sensory meridian response. Right. And it's that some people really find 
whispering and quiet noise really quite satisfying. What do you think about that? It could be a load of old crap. Yeah, it is a load of crap. <laughs> I mean, who would do that? Well, you know, uh, have a look on Twitter. Do, do, and, but in um, terms of a cricket game. I was just Do you get the members the... saying, shut up? I was I mean, trying. I'm watching the game. I mean, I can understand in snooker, but cricket. I was just trying to link the two. I was trying to link the, the sort of general hubbub and uh, AS, ASMR. But if that's total nonsense, just go, Peter. Yeah, total just nonsense. Just shut the, shut, the, shut the F up yeah. and get on, get on with your deal. Yes, okay. Right, I'm um, going to play you a clip now. Sure, but just before we do that, yeah. I just wanted to say something else. Because um, the thing I, the, another lovely sound of cricket is um, the commentary on radio. I'm a big fan of radio commentary for cricket because they're not just talking about the cricket; they're talking about cakes or, you know, Henry Blofeld talked about the buses. You know, you can see the number twenty-seven coming, uh, or the weather, or and just um, general conversation about things. And it's really engaging, usually. A lot of ex-cricketers as well know their stuff. Tufnell, Mark Ramprakash, who I find, think is really good, actually. Uh, Alistair Cook is suddenly taken to it like a duck to water, like he does everything. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's wonderful to listen to the radio commentary. It's the sound of people enjoying themselves and not just talking about cricket. Well, that's, that's scarily accurate, because, um, or scarily, uh, uh, sen- oh, God, what's the word? Anyway, it, it's, it's bang on, it's bang, it's bang very, on point. It's bang on point, because yeah. <laughs> I was going to play you John Arlott's final commentary. Thank you very much, Jeff. One was 19 for one, 43 for two. Right again, going round the wicket to the right-handed boycott. And they managed to run two. That's the end of the over, 69 for two. And after Trevor Bailey, it will be Christopher Martin Jenkins. The applause was for John Arlott, his last commentary. I'm sure the entire ground clapping at that announcement by Alan Curtis that John has just done his final test match session. So what did you think of that? Well, there, there you go. It just goes to show that cricket is more than just the, the game itself. It's about uh, the people associated with the game, like the commentators, John Arlock, you know, legendary, with the, the voice, the mellifluous, <laughs> gentle, engaging voice, you know, wonderful stuff. And uh, Christopher Martin Jenkins in there as well, sadly, no longer with us. I always enjoyed listening to him. But yeah, these people are respected and they're part of the game as well as the cricket, as well as the players. So, I recently played next to a main road. It was right on the A23, right on it. It's Braypool's disgusting ground. Sorry, council, but there you go. And found the noise completely off-putting and really stressful. What do you think the link is between serenity and being able to play and think? Well, it's been, been able to uh, cut off the noise and the chatter and the background things that annoy you, basically. And uh, uh, Knowing you, P, I know you're a bit of a... 
environmental militant and you hate, you're not particularly keen on cars, let's put it like that. And I've played tennis with you in the past, and if somebody's uh, got their lawnmower out or their head trimmer, strimmer, yeah, it uh, it's really puts you off, you know, it puts you off your stride. You start, expletives just come out of your mouth like uh, confetti. And, um, if you can hear them. Yeah, but uh, me personally, I don't mind any noise. Um, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, I used to live next to a church, which used to ring out on the hour. I live next to a main road. It's, you know, noisy. I, it just doesn't bother me. So, um, in a way, it's part of the game because you are outdoors and you're often next to roads and you're next to activities going but on. You have, you, to, think, you have to put up with it. Do you think, act, you know, like, does it help in the action of hitting the ball if you can not only see it, you can hear the bloody thing? Going oh, you're talking about the actual ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You're talking about yeah, well, cars. Well, no, no. But if you could, you know, the the <laughs> if you can hear the 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 flow of the game. Yeah. That will obviously, I think, obviously help you unless you're some sort of yeah, but if you're, if you're an, steel mentality it, it, like you. Yeah, but that's you know they're quiet usually in the point during the points, but in cricket. There's always background harm, and you can't. I, I, I wouldn't know what that's like playing in front of 20,000, 30,000 people. <laughs> you probably can't hear as much as you would in an empty stadium. And the players at the moment are saying, well, they're getting used to it, but at the beginning they were like, oh man, this is not uh, giving me the buzz that I need. I need to feed off the audience, you know? And they're not getting that. But I, so I think it's part of the deal. I, I don't know what it's like to play in front of a big crowd. I think probably about 70 is the most I've played in front of. And we yeah. were doing really badly. This is a Cookfield. And I believe that I could dodge and weave and not hit the ball for 33 overs and save the game. That went well. Yeah. Not. That's your style, though, isn't it? Peter Styles. Well, no. My, my, crash, my, bang, my, wallet. My style is trying to crash, bang, wallet. No, I was actually trying to believe that I could just <laughs> dodge, the, not not be involved with the ball for 33 yeah. overs and save the game. But I think when you're out in the middle and you've got a fast bowler or a spinner, you can hear the turn, the, you know, the ball spinning through the air. Oh, you can hear that, can't you? noise. When, yeah. when, it, when that, that, that spin of the... the you, can, you can hear the... And the sort of slight anxiety levels, the, the anxiety levels rise a little bit because you don't know where the ball's going to spin, where you should go forward or back. It sounds a bit like a fly's wing or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's coming to attack you and you've got to defend or attack back, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> so, so, despite the fact that you're, you've got this cast iron concentration and, uh, yeah, but... Do you think there's also... A I think you'd be amazing in, uh, if you were a first-class first cricketer and you were out on the boundary and people were heckling you. I'd love to be there, fly on the wall. So I bet you'd give as good as you got. There would be some responses. <laughs> there would be some responses. Do you think the peace and quiet of cricket brings positive mental health benefits? Um, it's a huge part of village life. You know what? Why else? You know, maybe there's bugger all to do in a village, but um... definitely it's a community game, isn't it? It's a a game of people come together, whether you're playing or watching or just uh, helping out in the background. There's a community spirit attached to it and a social uh, element to the game. Uh, Very, very strong, I think, because because the games last for quite a long time, so you're there together for a whole day, pretty much, and um, you have to uh, you have to get on with people, otherwise. (laughs) What the hell are you doing playing cricket? 
I yeah, I do know a couple of people who aren't really in so, team games, and they play. Well, one no longer plays team, no longer plays cricket, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm not shot there. Yeah, so it's, it's. I would say, although you, it's hard to quantify, it's got to be. It's got to be positive for your mental health and well-being. And a way for us urbanites to escape the hustle and bustle, mm. despite the fact that you're immune to it, and um, and um, get out in the countryside and see some yeah. of the beautiful parts. It's healthy, of Sussex. physically healthy, mentally healthy. Or some, some people wonder about the physical uh, benefits of playing cricket when you're just standing in a field, but. Um, you know, you're doing something and you're getting some fresh air and you're being active, so it's all, all good. Another, another sound of cricket uh, I like to think that you like to hear is to say, Jeff, thank you very much about talking about the sonics of cricket. But we'll move on to the songs in a minute. Okay. Thanks, mate. That's all right. Welcome to part two. Jeff's been to the bar, and there's a, a lovely new pint. This is the second innings, really, of, of this uh, edition. We're going to look at um, some cricket songs. Um, Jeff's worked out a wonderful um, technical workaround. You wouldn't know that we were both uh, sort of PR media professionals to uh, sort of sort this one out. Um, I have banned 10cc from this list because much as I think they've wrote some great songs that ain't one of them but there is something similar you mean Dreadlock Holiday Dreadlock Holiday yeah. I despise it's, it's not really about cricket is it I despise no I don't I don't I don't think it is I don't think it is it's I about, it's about uh, uh, a white man visiting Jamaica yeah well and, sorry. and becoming part of the Jamaica uh, yeah I didn't, I didn't see the cricket relevance anyway no but anyway there are a couple of um, a couple of these songs, I think there's 12, we'll, we'll sort of gloss over in, um, give them the brevity that they deserve. Um, and a couple are kind of quite um, half man, half biscuit. There's the Fred Titmus song. That's um, your favourite band ever, isn't it? Half man, half no. oh, somebody else I'm thinking of. Yeah, now they're He's okay. banging on about them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen them several times, well, sometimes for five whole pounds. <laughs> anyway, let's crack on. So, so this is a Victorian uh, song called, uh, the, is it the Radnidge Cricket Song? We'll see how long we can tolerate this. I couldn't find any Sussex traditional ones, I'm sure there are. This is starting to get on my, starting to grate my cheese, is it yours? I think we get the gist now. Well, would you gist. give it out of ten? Would you give it a mark out of ten? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's a novelty song. You know, I'd probably hear it once and i think, oh, I don't need to hear that ever again in my whole life. It's part of a an album by Cantable called Songs of Cricket. I don't I think life's too short. Does it take pride of place in your record collection? It will take pride of place in landfill. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is a bit of Scar. This is Laura Lakin and West Indian Cricket Test from 1964. West Indies won at last. West Indies won at last. 
This is uh, this is a new new music game called Six or Out. <laughs> Next up is the Gavaskar Calypso. Blue skies and gentle breeze. The Indians are waiting now I think. to play the West Indies. A signal from the umpire. The match is going to start. I don't really get it. The cricketers come it's on the field. Son of Gavaskar was a Indian. Well, we've got a Gavaskar Calypso. Fill me in, Pete. You know anything more about it? I listened to it last night. I'm about as in, I'm about as in the dark as you as you are, and I was last night. Maybe there was a uh, West Indian piece of Gavaskar. Make the West Indies team look so bad. This is third rating. Celebrating defeat. So not some nice Corinthian attitude, isn't it? If you had a pizza colada, just getting a six, uh, six or out, or, or maybe just a couple. Oh, Musically, it's quite cool. It's like big band stuff, isn't it? Calypso music. This is, this is one of the more challenging moments of your broadcasting career, isn't it? Yeah, what do I make of this? This is good or bad? Who knows? But uh, to my ears, it's a bit annoying. I'm going to give it an hour, actually. Oh, oh. The finger goes up. Now we are on to a classic. This is... And this is probably this a, is a bit more uh, folksy. This is turn it up a little bit more. When an old cricketer leaves the crease. Death. This is one of the few records, tunes, cricket tunes that I'm familiar with, and I, I got a lot of time for Roy Harper's music, certainly from this era. I know a good few people who are going to um, shuffle up the uh, shuffle up the aisle to this, and I don't mean on their last match. But that's the other good thing about cricket is that you can be an old cricketer and still play cricket. Maybe not to first-class standard, of course, but we've got a 72-year-old in our team in uh, South Carolina. Yes, 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 yes. Dave, I believe Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as you can get out there and bend over and pick up the ball, then you can play. 
game for the young and old. That that's that's the other thing about Southwick, you know, it was wonderful to have like a really young young man. Oh, Chris, oh, Chris, Chris, yeah. And then you've got a 70 year old as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we had a woman in our team as well. Good female. So we had mixed race, mixed gender, mixed age, mixed everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and Roy's doing his utmost here. You know, this is, is, this, is this the best cricket song ever? I wouldn't say it's the best cricket song ever. It's not the best Roy Harper song ever, isn't but it's it? kind of like interesting, isn't it? Surely it gets this, uh, at least a four. It does, yes. I, I, I'm going to definitely give it a four, for sure. I'd be t- just for the epicness of it and the extent to which it's loved. I, not that I, I'm the, um, I'm the, um, in the, in the same way of, uh, um, Komodo Mayo, I suppose I am the host and you're the contributor here. Um, as, as a host, I don't get a vote, but I would give it a six. Good man. So next on my, the, yeah, this is the Trade Winds with Cricket in the Jungle. Big, big crowd oh, you really dig, dug up some obscure curios, you know you? The Trade Wind. <laughs> what kind of name is that for a band? The Trade Wind. It's called Research, man. Crooked <laughs> <laughs> in the Jungle. You know, it's kind of, again, it's got novelty sort of, uh, you know, novelty factor to it. It's, it's extremely annoying and irritating. It's Club Tropicana, Ed, that they will ever hear a song ever again. Yeah, Club Cricketana. Interesting. But, you know, I'm, never, I'm not going to. Uh, this is out. If yeah. somebody appeals, I'm definitely going to give it out. This is interesting. Was said with a, an element of spite there. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 it's this is fun, interesting. But I can live without it. Okay, but we're over to Indy now with uh, the legendary Half Moon Half Biscuit. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to say the name of the song? I think we can. It's uh, fucking out. It's pretty. Does this song? For those, for those who don't know, Fred Tidmus was a fast bowler. Hmm, was he? Yeah, it's before our time, even before <laughs> our time. And, um, is this a cricket song? Well, so far, no. Uh, it's kind of like anarcho punk, isn't it? Is that what Half Man Half Pistol are famous for? I know, I know there's a lot of big fans in this band. Yeah. band. And you've seen him a few times. I have. I have. Good life, man. Amazing. I bet this is fun. Fucking hell, it's Fred Titmus. Yeah, it's just, it's, again, it's a novelty song. And, uh, I'm nod- nodding away happily. Again, it's not the sort of record I put on at home for some easy listening experience, but it's good fun. I'll give it a six. Give it, a, it gets us. Six runs. Fingers up to the sky. Okay, now we go to we go to Sri Lanka now. 
This is, uh, I've played with uh, many, many Shrankens uh, in my 10-year uh, cricket career, and I quite like this. Get, gets going in a minute. So was this the year they won the World Cup, 1996? Mm, did they host it in 96? I'm, you're, um, but it's it's got a bit it's got a bit going for it. Yeah. And uh, Casey, isn't it? It's got rhythm. Just, the, the title of the song is Chakra. C H O K R A. If any of our uh, Shrankin uh, listeners can write in and uh, tell us what that what, means, what it means, that'll be immensely helpful. Um, but, yeah, it's got, it's, uh, it's got a bit of a, it's got a lot of dynamics. Bit of a go, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can really uh, shake loose on the dance floor with this one. All right, if I had had a few points of star parliament and watching uh, watching the T20, I'd be well up for this. Yeah. Uh, I love watching the Sri Lankans play. Malinga is one of my favourite players. Just the uh, character. So this is at least at least uh, at least a four. At least a four, yeah, definitely a four. Well done. Right, we are going now to uh, Australia with uh, the indie band Six and Out. This is. This is Six and Out with Can't Bowl, Can't Throw from Australia. So this is a band called Six and Out. Yeah. I was tried out in the high school cricket team. That's interesting, isn't it? Six and Out. Oh yeah, that was first backyard cricket. Huh? Backyard cricket. Yeah, but you get a six when you're like that, don't you? Yeah, in backyard cricket. Oh, backyard cricket, okay. Is that an Aussie thing? Yes. Yeah, I've played backyard cricket many times. Have you never played backyard cricket? No. I've played French cricket, but not... uh, DYC is big in Australia and New Zealand. And, yeah, a bit like in the opening sequence of Neighbours, you just get out of the garden in Ramsey Street, um, Bearcross going to get it, and, and a six now. Amazing. See, well, you've done your research, Peter. I'm more than impressed. So I wonder what their other uh, songs are like. I wonder what their repertoire is. Is it all about cricket? And if you pulled six and eight, you would have thought. Well, that, oh, hang on. That's Brett Lee as lead singer. No. It bloody well is. <laughs> No, somebody dressed up as Richie. No, that is definitely, yeah. Sounds like a hassle from the crowd, isn't it? You can't fall, you can't throw. You go. So, so, are you excited by this? Um, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four because I'm curious. Right, we're now going to go, we're now going to go a bit punk with um, Jeffrey Oyster and Bailey Jumpers. I have to turn it down to a pub garden. Sounds, I think it sounds nice to be like the Mac Lab. Yeah, it's proper punk, isn't it? Obviously a play on Jeffrey Boycott. 
I'm not sure where well, 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 is it referring to like the... something illegal or something like that? Yeah, something like something illegal or something like that? Yeah, something like something illegal or something like that? Yeah, something like something illegal or something like that? Yeah, something like something illegal or something like that? Seems like it's a band actually called Jeffrey Boycott. Jeffrey built a whole career about comedy songs based on Jeffrey Boycott. Hats off to them. That's definitely a six. Wow. Just wow. So, we did promise that there would be no 10cc in this episode, but we have something to play now. It's called, uh, it's from 2018, and it's called, uh, it's called... We Cheat at Cricket. We Cheat at Cricket. We were walking down the street, wearing these baggy greens. But then a dark voice in the locker rooms. There you go, and it's Australian take sure on Dreadlock Holiday. Swings. And it's got... 355,000 views on YouTube, so this is obviously a bit of a hit, you know, with the cricket fraternity. <laughs> and of course, and it's uh, implying that the Australians cheated cricket, which we all know that they do, and uh, naming their name, Steve Smith. It's a great country, I love it, they don't cheat all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, um, it is what it is. It's a comedy record. It's a proper comedy song. And uh, it's daft. It's daft as a brush. But I'm going to give it a four. Because You've been very generous with your yeah, uh, umpiring so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this, um, right. so what's th- his face? So this... Uh, um, next Neil, tune, Neil, Neil Hannon. Hannon. This is Jiggery Pokery by the Duckworth Lewis Method, which they, they also do the unofficial theme for the West, uh, the Sussex friendly cricket. the first Popeye. test of the Ashes series, 1993. Australia had only managed 289, and we felt all was going to plan. That first innings at Old Trafford. Then Murphy's and his handlebar moustache dismissed Parathers. I took the crease to great applause and focused on me dinner. I knew that I had little cause to fear their young leg spinner. So this is from the uh, point of view of Mike Gatting facing Shane Warren's first ever ball in Test cricket. He rolled his right arm over and he let go. Very, very silly song, but first the ball looks straight I yeah. had it You've got to respect it. Genius, isn't he? Yeah, you've got to give it a six. Six, 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 six
I thought you could do a whole podcast on Mike Gatton, couldn't you? I uh, yes, working uh, out his dietary requirements. I and, did um, say to a slightly. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like Kate Moss myself, am I? You don't look like Kate Moss, and you're definitely but not I, as slim as Kate Moss. I did say to a slightly rotund uh, wicketkeeper last season when when some buys went past. They said, "If you'd have tied a," I said to the bowler, "If you'd have tied a pork pie to it, he'd have caught it." Yeah. And, he was uh, legendary, wasn't he, old Gatting? <laughs> Legendary. He ate for England as well as played for England. <laughs> and uh, I have a previous teammate called uh, Two Plates. But maybe, maybe there's a culinary episode of the podcast to be done on another occasion. Okay, so uh, Jeff, you've brought a track along with you. Let's have a Ball listen. Went to the table. This is. Uh, uh, there might be some uh, stupid adverts to deal with. There we go. <laughs> This is, uh, we've got to introduce it. So, all you dub lovers out there, I, Roy, big famous name in the world of dub music, wrote a song, tribute to Michael Holden, and this is it. What? I don't, I, I claim ignorance here. I'm, I love Scar, I love Two-Tone, and I'm allergic to reggae. I don't know why, I just, I just am. Um, Fair enough. So, um, if dub, dub is, uh, like, uh, dub is like a bastardised version of reggae. Well, of course, reggae came from the start, so, you know, so it's all linked. But yeah, this is more, kind of, very, kind of like the Jamaican version of psychedelic music. Always helps to have a big reaper. 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 Always helps to have a we had a lot of comedy and novelty songs. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think? Cricket loves itself. You can't really is sing it? about cricket in a serious tone of voice. So it's basically... Why, why is this thing that we love so much just worthy of parody? In a musical sense. Why, who, who's got the balls to write a serious cricket album? About the... The time that I was cruelly run out without facing. I think cricket, That's like a cricket concept album is definitely something missing from our uh, from our world. So yeah, any any listeners out there? I've done some musical bent cricket I've, concept album. I've done some pretty hardcore research for this, and yeah, most of it is a bit bit light. So any musicians out there, get scribbling. But we want you know the sort of Graham Parsons. <laughs> of uh, cricket experience. A bit of poetry, Murray Lachlan Young. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're now going to a bit of spoken word. As weather blows from the northeast, a quite unfit for man and beast come voices from the darkest night with talk of summer sun and light. Strange voices bring us stranger news of stalwart men, both strong and true, pitching sinew, guile and nerve upon the Antipodean earth. Across the snow and icy blasts, we wonder what will come to pass. 
Well, there you Wilson, go. Masterpiece. Or Monty Appiah. Mary Pretty cool. Shakespearean, isn't it? Kind of like his sort of putting a drama into uh, cricket. He was hot at one point. I think he had a seven album deal. Yeah. Back in the of cricket wherever they be the slogging the lofting the swinging well, the, the man's lofting, obviously the a fan and very uh, excitable the and, and, uh, they tell us the score to the duke to the queen to the daughter-in-law on the I wireless like the web and the phone and the so, car the north yeah. to the south uh, to the near to yeah. the far of the green and the blue and the heat and the fight of the crack of the willow the leather in flight of the nip and the duck and the sting and the burn and the eyes and the prize and the hands on the urn of the roar of the crowd again it's an old tune but I like his delivery I like the fact that inimitable so this morning, I, well, in, in the tons of research I was doing, uh, I was going to look up and see the uh, the origins of this song. But sadly, uh, I think I passed out after uh, two days of camping. It's, so, it's so ingrained with pick cricket culture, isn't it, and that you forget. You know, you forget. You don't know that it's by Dr. T and the MPs. It's yeah. like a fantastic soul band. It's instrumental soul band. I love Book C and the MGs. Yeah. Uh, in Quadphenia, Green Onions. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Green Onions isn't about cricket, I don't think. No. I saw some very dodgy teas. So, yeah, it's always a joy to hear this. And um, it's a classic. You know, even though everybody, everybody probably knows this song, don't they? I, I play. Do you know um, Stick It On? Yeah. I've played this at Stick It On. Yeah. And people went pretty mad. Stick It On is a Brighton thing where you, uh, it's DIY DJ and you choose your own DJ name and choose, um, you know, like half a dozen tunes and uh, try and get people up and going. They'll probably play something like the Smiths after it. And it's all of uh, two minutes and 24 seconds, I think. So I'm really sure, to the point. And can you imagine when they made this? Originally, it's probably just an album track, isn't it? Yeah. And then suddenly it's become part of our, part of our culture, folklore. Stats probably said this is a B-side at yeah. best. Yeah. How are we going to comp- compete with Motown with this rubbish? And, and then, then no vocals, no, instrumental no. music. And now look, we really love it. And now it's part of part and parcel of our world beating podcast. <laughs> it's the, it's He's the centre of British culture. (laughs) So it gets a six, is it? Oh, definitely. More than a six. There's a ten, yeah. Six no ball, three hit. So, Jeff. We've uh, we've been we've tiptoed through the the tulips, the daisies, the dandelions of uh, cricket and music. Um, Obviously, a mixed bag. Were you impressed? With the music? Yeah. 
yeah, it's a mixed bag, you know, definitely a mixed bag. Um, a lot of novelty in there, a lot of uh, songs I wouldn't ever play ever again. But it's an education. I feel like I've been enlightened and I've developed as a human being as a result of uh, listening to some of these songs about our glorious game, cricket. Marvellous. Marvellous. Well, thank you ever so much. Um, I think that just about wraps it up for this week. We'll, um, we'll we might actually get back to um, the game next week, as mm. opposed to sort of yeah, screw the of, game. Let's just talk about it instead. <laughs> Bunch of amateurs. Jeff, like, thank you very much. You've, it's been an honour, and um, you know, it's been a, a, a fine examination of a very important topic. Yeah, it's your round, isn't it? Yes. Peace out. Windy and historic furl. Um, Tom, can you tell us what happened before the match? Before the match, well, there was an issue with vehicles on the pitch. And there was, there was a, a great big yellow roller. The heavy roller, yeah. yeah with, a, with a tractor attached, and uh, the, the engine was running on the tractor, but the roller was going nowhere. Apparently, it was in gear, but nobody really knew. No. Uh, then we decided to be blokes about it and everyone try and push it. But as it was in gear, it was going nowhere. Then a Mercedes was brought on to try and jump-start the roller, uh, despite the fact that nobody knew how to do it. Uh, sparks were actually flying. Uh, and then we decided to remove as many vehicles as we could, which was two out of three, and the roller stayed where it was. So we're now halfway... We're three-quarters of the way through the game, and the roller is... Exactly where it should be a cow, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been it, it's it's stopped one boundary, I would say. Yeah. yeah. As, as I said before, the, uh, the the first ball of the game went into the wheel arch, and then it had three fielders searching it like uh, bomb disposal people looking for IEDs. Uh, all they needed was the mirrors on the sticks looking underneath it. Yeah. Uh, but since then, it has not really added or taken away to the game. It's been more stationary fielder than me. <laughs> it certainly has. It's a lot less graceful <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's your first season yeah it's, it? it is my first season oh, yeah. how have you been enjoying it great been very good I've, I have been really enjoying it I've been getting over a lifetime fear of sort of balls and terrible catching and all that kind of thing but uh, yeah I've been very very uh, enjoying the company and the, uh, making a decent effort which is all you can do at the end of the day you bowled two pretty good overs yeah I was really happy I was really happy with that I try and uh, every game I try and do one thing half decent <laughs> that's the best I've seen you bowl and now Great. you're lining up to give it a swing in a bit let's hope so cheers John thank good. you very much no worries yeah. thank you that's alright I don't know <laughs> So here we are, we're at a very windy furl, the 19, sorry, 1758 mecca of cricket. And um, Dev has very kindly uh, offered to A, put a new rubber on Brutus, and B, participate in this fascinating comedy segment. So I've, I've just um, ripped the rubber off my shaft. Heavy on rubber, low on comedy. <laughs> how, uh, how, how, do we, how do we apply a new rubber on the back? Well, this rubber is 
very tight, Pete, um, so it needs a little bit of um, manipulation. How it, will it? Will you be able to get get it over the girth of the shaft? Or uh, um, do you know something? I think I can do it, but I've got a little implement to help me. Oh yes, it what's is this, that? It is this lovely shaped cone. Ah, right, right, right. So yes, yeah, so yes, so, we see that. So yes, let's give it a go. You've, you've, you've been giving it some for a while there. I've got You're now um, applying the rubber sort of um, towards your um, towards the groin towards area, the hilt. and then giving it a bit of a rolling rolling the rubber up. This is the problem. It is a little bit cold. It needs warming up. Do you ask Joe sometimes to help you? Well, I've had the snips. So I've not done this for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not very good with sheets. I haven't sheathed for a long time. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm very uh, appreciative that you're going to do it on my behalf. Right, so now, now you're forcing it over... Really giving it some. This is the hard bit. I can see. I can see. It's slight. There's a certain touch of the veterinary about it. And there, there's the there's the the smell of liniment in the air whilst doing it. It's all very medical at the moment. Now we need to get it down to the. Oh no. The, oh, is that not going to? Yeah, it's all right. You've got two sheaths on here for extra protection. Yes, yes, like I like I like a double grip, just to uh, give it a bit of. Uh, and I'm, I think I put it on the right way, which is good. That's that's fantastic. Oh, it's looking great. Oh, look at that. Oh, <laughs> it's when you rip it. It's when you tear it. Marvelous. Yes. 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 John's John's getting. What direction, John? As, no, impressive as an old pro, do you think this You're is... better than John, I think. Yeah, but you going over the previous rubber? Oh. Are you sure that's sanitary? <laughs> Extra protection. I, Double back. Oh, that's a beautiful a job. A job. Right. I've got a, a, a fast... He made a right best of mine, oh, Did he? It's a Hang lovely, in. lovely oh, white oh, shaft Did he have a cone? Devil oh, yeah, often no, says, thank you very much. much. It's a pleasure. Let's hope that gives... You tried to do it with a plastic bag. Oh, that's hard. Yeah. And then you let me oh, yeah. mm. Well, all I can say is, is ooh, uh, ooh, misses, and thank you. And let's <laughs> hope we get some runs when we open the batting today. There we go. Right. Look at that Do we need some. We've got to go uphill. Oh my god, there's, 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 there's nine, ten people pushing a tractor just at the end of this segment. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's stuck. There's a slight incline as well. The heavy roller is not coming to, off the um, pitch. The Edge's um, favourite place as we hit that on-drive last year. Yeah, I remember that. Well, my favourite It's a beautiful place. Like, I love the cows and the, yeah. everything. It's a, it's a marvellous, marvellous spot. There you go. Marvellous spot there. Oh, thank you. Is oh, it's much appreciated, mate. Thank you. Welcome to episode 7 of the Sussex Friendly Cricket Podcast. A bit of housekeeping first of all. I'm going to keep this episode short so that uh, it's not punishment for those who feel that the recent episodes have been too long. But it is um, not, well, it is 
but will be a trial for those who feel they're too short. Anyway, uh, I'm going to try and do 10 episodes before the end of the season. That depends on contributors, people coming forward. I don't want it all to be my own voice, which hopefully it isn't. And uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a couple of treats for you. Uh, I played a T20 yesterday and had in mind to uh, record the second segment today, but then something really weird happened. Uh, let's go over to Furl, one of the oldest grounds in the world, established in uh, 1758, and see what happened. So there you go, the curious case of Ronnie the Heavy Roller, as he's been named. Furl went on to win by 15 runs. I opened the batting and got 19 of a spirited 46 opening partnership, but they were just a bit stronger than us. Here on the Sussex Friendly Pod, we like to mainly like to keep it light, despite events in the world over the last four years or so. But we've decided to keep it even lighter with a carry-on cricket guide to putting a rubber on a bat. In this case, my trusty five-year-old Newbury Uzi Brutus. My special guest today is international cricket scorer Sue Drinkwater, who has practised this fine art for more than 40 years. Sue not only operated the scoreboard for last year's Cricket World Cup final and scored some of the other matches, but has also trained scorers for more than 20 years and is the Scorer Education Manager for the ECB Association of Cricket Officials, as well as being part of the podcast Cricket Scorers Untallied. That's at Cricket Scorers 1 on Twitter. The Sussex Friendly Cricket Podcast is honoured to welcome you. Hello, Sue. Would you take us through some of the highlights of your career, please? Hello, Peter. Um, well, highlight number one, scoring for Chedworth in the Cotswolds, which is a beautiful um, beautiful Cotswolds ground with, with lovely views. Um, second highlight, scoring for Worcestershire County Cricket Club, which is now my home at New Road, another beautiful view with the cathedral overlooking the ground. And um, I scored an ODI at Lords, um, which was uh, the West Indies against England in 2008. And in 2013, I think it was, I scored for um, South Africa in a test match at Lords. So those are probably the pinnacles of my career. Mm. But um, every match is, is wonderful to score. How many, can you take a sort of... Uh ballpark figure on how many you've scored over the years or is it just beyond measure? Um, well I have no record of it but um, I sort of knew you were going to ask me that <laughs> question so I tried to do a rough estimate of how many years I've scored club cricket and roughly how many games a year so I reckon I've scored in the region of 1500. That's, that's a lot. I, I don't know how many games I've played over the last ten years, but it's not that many. That's a that's a lot of pencil lead. It is, it is, and they've been uh, a wide variety of formats, which is great. That's great. So for someone, I I must confess, I I have tried scoring. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's quite how my brain works. Uh, I'd like to think I'm an okay Sunday umpire, or I have umpired league as well. Um, so. For somebody who prefers standing out in the middle when it comes to club duties, how would you describe the rewards of scoring? Um, I think, for me, the rewards of scoring, um, 
used to be creating a beautiful scorebook. And that no longer happens as much because a lot of scoring is done electronically now. But that was definitely one of the, the big rewards, was to look back and go, look, there's my work of art that I've done. Beautiful colours, I try and do my neat handwriting, and as well as making it accurate. Um, but I like to help people, and so I feel that I've helped the team by scoring for them. And... One of the rewards is, is to complete a task, which might sound a little odd, but I think there is a, a breed of people who like to tick boxes to say, I've done that, I've done that, and scoring fits that very well. There's, there's a game, go and score it accurately, you've done it, wow, I've done it, I've, I've completed it. Right. I, I, I think I, umpires I, and players are, are different mentality and, and they get something else from the game. I can relate. I like a good tick-off list, but I like what I was going to go on to is that I am kind of afraid of the scorebook. How can I overcome this? How can people go, oh, you know, and obviously it comes from a fear of getting it wrong. But yeah, what tips that's... would you give to people who want to learn and to current club scorers wanting to bring new people in so they don't have to be, they don't, they don't, they're not forced to do it every week? have a go because it is a bit daunting when you see a scorebook and you don't know what all the sections of it are for and you might not know how to do it but if you want to do it I would say you, you would do a better job than players who are thrust the scorebook just to, to fill in and between batting and they don't want to do it so even if you don't get it 100% right the fact that you want to do it and you've made an effort to do it you're going to do a better job so give it a go, even if it's not 100% accurate. Um, try and get some, some training on the job with, with a scorer who can already do it. So if you want to bring new scorers along, just get somebody to sit by you. They don't have to be an official scorer. You might already have one or two scorers already. Just get them to sit there and unofficially do a, do a sheet, a score sheet with you. And they'll pick it up and hopefully they'll get a bug for scoring like, like most of us do. Want to do more of it. That is inspiring. I've tried a couple of times. I think um, I listened to um, Tailenders during lockdown and they did a score along. Yes, that was great. That was great. Did you, did you download the score sheet and give it a go? I listened to, I was enthused to the point of that I liked it. I didn't do. I've, I think I might have been doing something else, but I, I wish I had. Yeah, scoring isn't for everybody, but but I would encourage people to give it a go. And you, it's a bit marmite. You either love it or hate it. But there are thankfully quite a lot of us who love it. No, that's great. Yeah, so. and, and if you can sit with somebody else who's enjoying it, a proper scorer or or a regular scorer who's enjoying it then some of that will rub off on, on the new scorers. Absolutely. Uh, are all the symbols and ways of filling in the book standard? Or no. or do you have your own individual traits and yeah, uh, you know, signatures? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not all standard. I wish it was because I think if you pick up a scorebook to look at it, you should be able to understand it. And therefore, if all symbols were the same, um, and every scorebook would be the same. 
Um, there are only a couple of symbols, mainly the wide and the noble, that are in the laws of cricket to tell you what they are. The rest of them, we try, when we teach people, to use the, sta the same standard symbols, but it's up to an individual, really. Um, so the scorers do like to put their mark on the score sheet and make things individual. That's part of the creativity of it. Um, and there's a different type of scoring called linear scoring, and that is very individual. Everybody does that differently. Right. How does that work? Um, linear has... Uh, it's a bit hard to describe. The batting and the bowling is in one place, so the, the batting goes down the columns and the bowling goes across the rows. So where a, a row and a column meet, that's that one over, where that bowler is bowling to that batsman. So you only make one entry. Instead of doing an entry in the batting and the bowling, you mm. only put it in once. Yeah, I so get you. Fewer mistakes made. I think our, uh, I think my tennis ladder league table works in a similar thing, but it's a lot simpler. Yeah, quite possibly. And it uses all the standard symbols of, of, a, of a box style or a traditional scorebook. Um, the layout is just different, and, and it's actually easier to do, but to read, if you just picked up a, a linear score sheet, it's just a jumble of numbers, unless you know where you're looking. Right, OK, God. Never, no, never come across this, but um, I will... Oh, the, um, really use it. So Bill Frindle was a big advocate of it and he was the one who made it popular. But you'll find um, the sports um, and analysts and scorers, they use it because it gives you a better picture of the game. And you can easily look back and say, oh look, there wasn't a boundary scored for 15 minutes or whatever. And, and the last time this happened, um, was at this point it gives you a picture of the game that you can talk about as a bigger picture kind of guy that 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 kind of excites me well um do you have a you do have a twitter feed that goes with your podcast i, I can send you an image of a linear score sheet if you want to that would be amazing thank you i can kick that out that would be great yeah so Talk us through, with um, more the more uh, conventional style of scoring, what you're actually doing ball by ball. OK, first of all, we're looking um, at the game in a different way. So, at the start of the over, I will check every over who's bowling, so that in case there's been a bowling change. So, as the ball is delivered, you're really watching the umpire for any signals, any early signs of the signal, and then how many runs that and are running. So you mustn't look at where the ball goes and what the fielders are doing. So you miss all the wonderful fielding that goes on. Um, so you're, you're just concentrating on how many times they've run up and down and are there any signals from the umpire. Then right. I, enco I encourage all scorers to complete the score sheet in a um, repetitive manner. So you choose the sections of the score sheet in sequence and always stick to it. So for me, it's batting, the tally, which is the total score, yeah. extras and bowling. And you do and those you four things again and right? again. You do those four things again and again and again. Yeah, and if you do them in that order always, then you're less likely to make a mistake. Because the biggest mistake in a score book is forgetting to put an entry in one of the sections. It's just triple entry bookkeeping, really. So 
if you if you stick to a routine, then you are less likely to forget one of those sections. And it doesn't matter which order you do them in. A lot of people start with the bowling because that's how the ball happens. The ball, the bowler bowls it first, then the batsman hits it. Then they might score runs from it. So a lot of people go bowling, batting, tally. I like to start at the top of the scorebook and end up with the bowling so that at the end of the over, I'm already in the bowling section to do my end of over totals. So batting, tally, bowling, extras. No, batting, tally, extras, bowling. <sighs> I was close. So that I end up in the bowling. And, and it sort of goes in a circle around the scorebook. The scorebooks um, have all different kinds of layouts, but generally... That goes in a circle around a scorebook. When I'm playing at Skeynes Hill on Sunday, I will have yeah. a think and have a look over to uh, Ian, who generally scores for us, or Luke, the skipper stroke chairman, and go, show us what to do. So, <laughs> do you think scorers are, along with, I would argue, umpires, the unsung heroes of the game? Uh, I think us players are very appreciative, but... Does this really get relate to you as often as I think you richly deserve? Well, thank you. Uh, but I, I wouldn't call us heroes. I think there are a lot of unsung volunteers who don't get noticed, who all, or are all required to get the game on. So you've got the umpires, the person who's who's lovingly got the ground ready, and the tea ladies, and as well as the scorers. We're all part of that that team that that makes the game happen but no I don't think people thank scorers or anybody else as often as they might the players sometimes not always turn up play the game and disappear again and don't notice all those other people who made it happen and it's it's a big bugbear for scorers that you can't find their names anywhere you look at the highest level um, and there was a T20 yesterday who scored that you won't find that online You'll find out who the umpires were, the match referee, the third umpire, the fourth umpire. You will not find the scorers' names. Uh, and that is, is sad. So, yeah, just just please say a, a thank you to the scorers. That's all they need. Nothing more, but just a thank you would be nice. Well, Sue, thank you for uh, all 1,500 games that you've scored. <laughs> I've loved it. So, uh, I, don't, I don't need a big thank you. I, I've loved every game I've done. Is there, um, is there anything else that you'd like to cover in uh, in the in the interview, is there anything that I've kind of left out of my my questions? No, I think I think that's it. Really, we just want to encourage people to have a go. Don't be afraid of that book. Have a go because I do genuinely think that if you want to do it and are prepared to sit there for the game to to score it, you're going to do a better job than the book being passed between three or four players who are waiting to bat. And, and, and all, that's what I tell my new scorers. Just give it a go and, and you'll do a better job. And focus on runs, wickets, overs, because that's what Law 3 says. So if get. if somebody wants to take it further, do they uh, contact uh, your organisation or go through their local um, county cricket hub or uh, what would you recommend? Yeah, every county will have a county scorer's officer for ECBACO who should be able to help. So I would say hunt out your county scorer's officer uh, and get in touch with them. But if you don't want to make it official and you don't want to join an association, 
just find a club that's got a scorer and go and sit with them and practice until you're confident enough to do it yourself. Right, yeah, and sort of print print out some score sheets and, uh, you know, there's no need to buy a whole book just for your own uh, yeah. benefit, is there? No, no, but you're right, print out some score sheets. When I started, um, the the club, my father's club, um, had a regular score and she used to tear sheets out of the score book to give to me as a child. So my mum bought me my own little score book and I sat by the side of her with my own little book. Um, scoring for as long as my concentration lasted. Were uh, were eyebrows raised when these pages were torn out of the book, or was it okay? No, generally it was okay. But um, uh, yeah, but my mum bought me a, a little book to save her from doing that. That's amazing. Is there what? What would you? Where would you like to see the world of scoring going? Like, yeah, you know, more more recognition, uh, more f- sort of, um, you know, God, um, I I piggyback on the uh, local cricket hub Zoom meetings, and it's always like, you know, we've got more, we can get more resources for this and that. Um, what if you had a wish list? What would you? What would you wish for? recognition absolutely name the scorers and, and include them as part of the team either at a club or in competitions I'd like to see scoring appointments at the higher level given out on a, um, a, a like the umpires on a, on a skill basis um, whereas it tends to be a job for somebody that you, you keep for forever um, and, and when you train scorers to a high level then there's sometimes nowhere for them to go and get appointments um, so you know, I'd like to see more scorer appointments at the higher level and um, more recognition of scorers at the lower level and if you're going to use resources at a club some sort of protection for the scorers it's a long time sitting outside in all weathers so you either frazzle in the sun or you get cold and, and wet in the drizzle. I captained earlier this year and there was a very fine gazebo where the scorer oh. sat under. And, uh, yeah, she's a lovely lady and um, she did a very fine job. Um, so, yeah, oh, there was one more thing I was going to ask you. So how do you progress from Sundays to Saturdays to to county to international games? Duckworth Lewis method is the, but uh, a tune by them is the uh, unofficial theme tune for the podcast. Um, so is it just a, a quite a complicated algorithm, or or could a is it sort of you know a bit more <laughs> understandable than that? Um, yeah, who knows what the algorithm is? It, it's kept well hidden, um, but <laughs> and it used to be, and thankfully <laughs> I, I count myself quite good at math, and I'm sure I wouldn't understand it. Um, but, and you used to have to do it with a series of tables, which was really complicated. It, it was like the old days of, of op- 
creating a slide rule. But these days it's done with some software and as long as you understand the theory of what you're doing, then it's really easy. All you've got to do is, is to put the intervals in as they happen. Um, so you just operate the software and say, oh, it rained at this point and there were so many overs gone and so many wickets lost the score was this. Um, so as long as you operate the software correctly, it's easy. Sue, that is amazing. That is that is superb. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, many pleasure. many happy years of scoring ahead. Thank you. And here's the more recognition, and I promise I will give it a go. Good. Yeah. Well, that was a great reward. If uh, we've got one more scorer, that's a huge reward. And I'll try not to mess it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> the fact that you're willing to give it a go is is a positive thing, and we all make mistakes. So the more you do it, the better you'll get. Sue, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. No problem. Cheers. Good luck Thank with, with the podcast. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sue, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Sue Drinkwater and Richard Isaacs for fantastic contributions there. Stay tuned to the pod in the next few weeks. I think I'm going to do three more and that will quite literally be my first 11. I'm going to do or try to do ones on umpiring, defunct clubs and cricket and the environment. So stay tuned and uh, take care.